Welcome to the Week 11 Sit Start Podcast. I am Eric Smith, and I am joined by Ryan Heath, as always, to go through the toughest sit start decisions of the week. Um, this is a special episode. It is our 200th episode. We've made it through 200 podcasts. I want to thank everyone who has listened over the years. Um, thanks to Miles Nelson, Colin Weatherwax, Mike Miklius, Callan Elslager, everyone else who has been a guest on this podcast, um, and of course, everyone who has listened. And finally, Ryan, thank you for being my co-host here. I'm glad to make it through 200 episodes. You've been on for, I don't know, what feels like maybe like 50 of these. It's been a couple of years now, so uh, glad to have you. Um, my wife actually came home with a nice Herman Miller office chair from her work for me. I, I think she knew it was episode 200. So, Ryan, what did you get me for a present for the 200th episode? Wow, Eric, you're just putting me on the spot here. Uh, <laughs> I I got you my continued presence on this podcast. Uh, that's the best thing I can offer you. I'm I'm not going anywhere, and you can't get rid of me. Uh, <laughs> I, I I'm kind of wondering how many of these that I have been on. I I know I was I was on waiver wire for a little while, and may, maybe if I care enough, after I'll go back and do the math. But pre- pretty doubtful. Yeah, I believe I've been doing this podcast since 2019. So this is my. I can't even do the math on that fourth year, I guess. So it's been a lot of fun, come a long way. Um, again, thanks to everyone who's helped and listened. It's it's been it's been an interesting experience. Hopefully, we're getting better every episode. We're trying our best here. But um, for all you out there, if you want to get us a present, uh, please rate and review the podcast. That would be really nice. We really appreciate it. Um, we try not to bug you too often with that, but it'd be awesome to see some fresh new reviews out there on the podcast. So wherever you listen, go in there and rate and review. And another way to support us is to subscribe to PictureList Plus, PL Plus. Uh, some of the benefits of that, um, you get no ads on the website, which is awesome. Uh, you get uh, Discord access. Uh, we have channels in there where we're talking around the clock, everything from uh, fantasy football to fantasy baseball to video games. We've got a, a pets channel, so you can go see everyone's dogs and cats. Uh, just lots of awesome stuff in the Discord. It's really the best benefit of PL+. Plus. So I would strongly encourage you all, if you uh, like what we do and want to support us a little bit, um, go to the website, click the PL Plus header up at the top. And another added bonus is everything Pitcher List related is included. So as the football season winds down, baseball is just around the corner. I know it just ended, but draft season comes up quick. So um, all the Pitcher List access is included, and they're doing just incredible things over there. So um, again, just thank you for everyone for being a part of this community um, and follow uh, the links to PL Plus if you'd like to learn more about that. But otherwise, let's get into this week's Sit Start podcast. Um, We want to do a little quick weather check-in. Uh, there's been some uh, exaggerated claims about weather this weekend, so we just wanted to highlight a couple of the, the bad weather spots. Uh, Thursday night, uh, looks, looks like it's going to be about 26 degrees in Lambeau. It's a night game, uh, so that could be cold by the end of it. I'd keep an eye on that. But the main one is Browns at Bills on Sunday. Looks like it's going to be 23 degrees. It may not be snowing on Sunday, but it sounds like we're getting feet of snow in the Buffalo area. So, it may not be an issue by Sunday. They're used to snow up there. But Ryan, um, this is the time of year we got to start looking at weather. Uh, it might not be worth looking at weather on a Wednesday night, but definitely Sunday morning when you're waking up, you should be checking it out. It is. And it's also the time of year where we find out who doesn't live in the Northeast. Because when I first heard this, I'm like, oh, okay, if it's three to six feet of snow or whatever people were saying for the game, that's like a pretty big deal. That's going to affect the offenses. But if it's a day or two before the game, anybody that lives in the Northeast will tell you we, we can kind of figure it out quicker than that. Like I imagine Buffalo will be up and running within 24 hours uh, if it comes in over Friday night or whatever it ends up being. So it, I don't know if 
we see snow in the game. It's always fun, but I'm not really thinking like, oh, I can't play any Browns or Bills, at least not right now. Yeah. Uh we are we're a couple northerners here so yeah we're we're gonna tell you all about the snow and uh, you can listen to us trust us we know how to handle the snow but no in all seriousness uh, yeah i think we'll be fine by sunday as long as the snow isn't just coming down we're generally just looking for extreme cold and wind that's really what's going to wreak havoc with the passing game so sounds like we'll be okay there but keep an eye out for sunday uh still not a bad time of the year to play some players in domes Uh, that's always especially if you're looking at your kickers this time of the year i like to target kickers in domes so now's the time to make that switch as we start getting into the holidays so uh speaking of the holidays just kind of a heads up we will probably be recording a day early next week for the sit start podcast uh, sit start article will be coming out a day early because of thanksgiving so um yeah we'll be coming back to you a day early next week but we'll have what we saw this weekend as usual so ryan uh no big intro this week we're just going to get straight into running backs so um why don't you let me know some of the questions you have on my running back rankings this week Yeah, so the first guy I wanted to ask you about because he had kind of fallen off my radar until we had a surprise transaction after the week of games. What's going on with James Conner now? Uh, You know, Benjamin was just cut and claimed by the Texans, so he's no longer involved in this Arizona backfield. What did we see from Conner last week and what can we expect going forward? Yeah, I think we're getting back to classic, you know, 2021 James Conner here. (laughs) He's my RB18 for the week. Eno Benjamin is out of town. I believe he is on the Houston Texans now. Uh, Just, I mean, side note, I was pretty shocked that they got rid of Eno Benjamin. I'm wondering, maybe he was unhappy with his role, which would kind of make sense because he played pretty well filling in for Connor. I was expecting him to get a bit of a Chase Edmonds role or something. So uh, last week, though, it went back to uh, James Connor, 96% of the snaps. Keontae Ingram played five snaps and, you know, Benjamin only played one. So it was old school James Connor last week dominating the workload. He was at 71% of the snaps the week before that, his first week back from the injury. So uh, Connor had generally been 60 to 70% of the snaps when healthy this year. And it may be closer to that, you know, 96% with, uh, you know, Benjamin off the team. So Keontae Ingram, you know, has shown his moments. He has some supporters. He looked okay in preseason. But I would be surprised if he's playing a ton of snaps. This is the James Conner show. So last week, again, classic James Conner, 21 carries, 69 yards, three catches, 17 yards, but two touchdowns. So that's what we want with Conner. Uh, I'm not sure how much it matters for Connor if Kyler Murray is not here. We've seen him kind of excel with Kyler Murray and Colt McCoy over the last couple of years. Uh, no Kyler Murray last week. Uh, they played a fading Rams team, and he was able to punch it in for a couple of touchdowns. So my big worry this week is the matchup. They play San Francisco, who has allowed the fewest fantasy points to opposing running backs, 3.3 yards per carry on the season, only four rushing or four running back touchdowns. So just not a great matchup, but I still have Connor RB 18 uh, touchdown or bust here. But I, I think the workload is so great that uh, you, you're playing them in just about every league. Yeah. I mean, I have no idea what, you know, Benjamin did to get cut. There's been like some vague social media posts about it, but no, nobody actually volunteering any information from what I understand. Yeah. Uh, so that pretty weird there. The fact that Eno only played one on Sunday tells me that whatever the issue was happened before the game, they knew about it. And even with that, if Keontae Ingram only managed five snaps as, as like James Conner hasn't dominated snaps like this since he was in Pittsburgh, like this is like huge stuff. So 
I don't know. Like, I, I think you might even have him too low. Like, I understand the matchup's really tough, but yeah. RB18 for a running back that is live to see more than 90% of the snaps, like that, and absolutely everything in the red zone that we care about, like that. Yeah. I, I just feel like Connor's an insane play. I, it's, yeah, yeah, matchup sucks, but it's pretty good other than that. Okay, well, let's see how far we can move him up here, maybe. Um, I mean, above him, I've got Jamal Williams against the Giants. I just, maybe maybe that's one we can move him up over. Maybe I'm too high on Miles Sanders at Indianapolis. I, I'm just trying not to be too reactionary to last week's dud from the Eagles offense, but those are a couple we could move him ahead. Uh, David Montgomery, who we'll talk about later, uh, kind of similar situation. He's got kind of a stranglehold on this backfield now. I don't think we're getting him ahead of Damian Pierce, RB 14 against Washington, right? So is that maybe as high as we could get him RB 15? Or are you thinking even higher than that? Yeah, I guess you're right. Looking now at it. Yeah. I, cl- I would clearly want him over Jamal Williams uh, and close with Miles Sanders, but yeah, Mo- Montgomery right there, I think is kind of the firewall. Uh, okay. let, let's talk about Montgomery a little bit as well. Cause the, yeah. I'm having deja vu with both of these running backs right now, because last year they were the two not super efficient, not always catching a lot of passes type of running backs that I kind of avoided. And both of them absolutely owned me down the stretch, especially in the fantasy playoffs. Both these guys were insanely productive really through the entire second half of last year. So I, yeah, I'm not liking how this is shaping up for me and all my fantasy teams that don't have either of these guys on them. But te- tell us kind of your thoughts on Montgomery with Khalil Herbert on IR now. Yeah, it's like a throwback episode for episode 200. You know, we're going back to 2021 here. Uh, but yeah, it feels very similar here with David Montgomery. You know, I, I think what really gives him the potential for a huge workload is that he's he's generally the trusted third down back in this offense. Uh, he may not be an ex- explosive player, but the, the coaches trust him. And I'm not sure that Tristan Ebner or uh, Kari Blassengame are going to be that trusted option. And they also don't have that early down profile that Khalil Herbert does. So neither Ebner or Blassengame have topped 32% of the snaps in any game this year. And I, I believe those were games where Montgomery missed, not Herbert. So th- he has a chance to really have a monster workload, just like James Conner did. A matchup against Atlanta, too, this week that is way more exciting. I mean, Atlanta's a top 10 matchup against opposing running backs. They've allowed a running back touchdown, I believe, in every week but one. So just a really nice matchup here. It's in a dome, so that's kind of nice. And I think we worry that Justin Fields is going to steal carries. He's going to steal rushing touchdowns. I do think that's a valid concern with David Montgomery, but it's still a good thing that this offense like actually moves the ball and gets in scoring positions. So I don't know. I feel like we kind of talk ourselves into these uh, sneaky shootouts with the Bears and Falcons from time to time. And uh, I don't know. They're kind of combining here in a dome game to to get me a little excited about both of these teams. I don't know if it's even sneaky. I think they have the highest over under of any game this week is the Bears really? and Falcons game. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I Yeah, I know. We're setting ourselves up. What here. could go wrong with that? <laughs> yeah. Um, but I... It's kind of similar to what I said about Connor. I feel like I would even push Montgomery higher in your rankings. I would want him over Damian Pierce, maybe even Aaron Jones against Tennessee, who you have as RB 13. I mean, the the Titans are a really big pass funnel, like we'll talk about later on with some of their receivers. So I I don't know. And Montgomery has the clearest stranglehold on work of either any of those three. So 
he yeah. honestly, I would bump him up a couple more spots as well. Yeah, that was a tough spot in my rankings. It's always a balance between volume matchup and then actual talent, you know, and I, I try not to lose the talent. I mean, Damian Pierce, Pierce is an awfully good looking running back. Same with Aaron Jones. It's, it's always a fine line making those calls. So I, I agree with you. I thought strongly about moving some players up against uh, above Jones and Pierce. So kind of whatever you prefer, whether it's the matchup, the volume or, or the talent, but I, I guess I could say maybe Pierce is a little more boom bust. Montgomery might be higher floor, but yeah, I mean, either way you slice it. Montgomery's like a low end RB one, high end RB two. Um, good matchup against Atlanta. Uh, then he also has, let's see, a matchup in uh, New York for the Jets. Not the greatest matchup anymore, but then a home matchup against the Packers before a bye week. So we should have a few couple good weeks here from David Montgomery before we get Khalil Herbert back. We'll, we'll see what his injury status is. Yeah, that pa- that Packers matchup is going to, yeah, you should be excited for that if he's on your roster. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's move into another backfield with in another spot where I feel like I would really want to play these guys if they were on any of my rosters. They really aren't, unfortunately, but we've got, we've got Antonio Gibson and Ryan Robinson against the Houston Texans. Take it away, Eric. Yeah. So on the, what we saw podcast, we talked a lot about uh, running back scoring this year, about how it's pretty similar to last year's Uh, one big standout though, was the Texans defense. They have allowed opposing running backs to top 30 PPR points four times already this season. Nobody did it more than, I believe, three times all of last season. So this is a relatively uh, historically bad Texans defense. So we should want to get either of these players in our lineup, especially with J.D. McKissick still not practicing. He's missed the past two weeks. Uh, that really just chops this work into into two as opposed to three. And they both benefited recently. Um, Gibson has a, a pretty solid, consistent passing game role. He's got two or more catches in all but one game this year. Uh, Brian Robinson had 26 carries last week. He, he's been racking up the volume on the ground. So this is just an awesome matchup. Now, it is a kind of split down the middle here without McKissick. Week 9, 58% of the snaps for Gibson, 44% for Robinson. Week 10, 52% for Robinson, 48 for Gibson. So uh, it, it is a split down the middle, and that kind of limits them. I, I have Gibson RB19, Robinson RB23. You could make a case for these guys to be higher too. Uh, but they're both pretty clear RB2s in an awesome matchup. It, sure, it's on the road, but it, like – I, I was thinking about teams that could potentially just go full-blown tank for the rest of the season. And you look at the standings, there are a lot of teams still in it this year in their division, in the wild card. But the Texans are a, a clear candidate to be the number one tanking team. Uh, they, are, they are completely out of everything, and they are already getting gashed on the ground. So really nice spot here for Gibson and Robinson. I prefer Gibson because I do think he's the superior talent, but uh, Robinson could certainly volume his way to a nice game here. Yeah, I mean, who knows in a league where we can go in one week from the Colts are tanking with Sam Ellinger <laughs> to Jeff Saturday is the savior of this football team. Uh, it's, yeah, it, the way that these records are, you never know. Um, yeah, I obviously completely agree with everything you just said on this backfield. Um, I like that you have Gibson a little higher than Robinson. You have him RB19, Robinson 23. Uh, the the passing game workload is going to be better for Gibson, but Robinson it has a bit better of a stranglehold on the short yardage work, especially around the goal line. So it really, whichever scores the touchdown or more touchdowns will yeah. be the guy you want probably. So it it's tough, but yeah, I 
they it's kind of weird like th- i was not expecting to look at the running back position and feel like there were this many guys you could actually play this week that's very much not the case at any of the other positions that I've looked at. So it, I, yeah. nice, nice for a change. Yeah. And I have both of them. I, I Something I wrote up in the rankings article this week, I have them both ahead of DeAndre Swift. I think I've finally, um, I'm finally pumping the brakes on him. It's just hard to trust him as an RB1 until we see the snaps increase. Um, he was at 30% of the snaps last week. Swift was, it was up from 16% the week before, but like, I just can't trust him as anything more than like a boom bust RB2 until it's a little closer to 50. So yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm playing both of the Washington running backs over him. It's a little harder to actually do that when it's your roster and you're sitting down to make that decision on Sunday. But um, I, I don't know. It's, it's trending the way where I think we need to give Swift like a week or two to figure things out. I, I mean, like we've been doing for this podcast, just close your eyes and pretend it's 2021 and you're playing Antonio Gibson over DeAndre Swift like that. That would have sounded defensible ish a year and a half ago. Like I, I could have gotten on board with that, but yeah, it would Swift. It's just so strange. Like at every single turn, the coaches have said, yeah, he, we don't think he's fully healthy. We don't think he's ready for a full workload. It, for me, it gets to a point where I stop believing them because there's no way that this guy could be this consistently injured and banged up. And we never really get any details on any actual timeline of when he's going to get better or what their strategy is for managing him. So yeah. I don't know. It. I'm not like saying that the coaches are lying and that they would actually rather be having Justin Jackson and Craig Reynolds get snaps, but it's just, I don't know. The situation just kind of stinks. I, I I don't know what to do with DeAndre Swift in Dynasty. I, I tweeted that I would be selling him for a mid-2023 first, which is about where his consensus value is at. But I, I don't know. Like that, that can easily be a tweet that the fantasy receipts guy comes and finds a year <laughs> from now and dunks on me for if I, if I was big enough for fantasy receipts to care to do that. But I don't know. It's, it's just a strange situation. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. There's, It's hard to do any analysis. I mean, we, we look at his snap shares per, per game for the year. Like, his second highest snap share was week eight. I believe that was his first game back after – well, maybe first f- full game back after injury. But, like, yeah, he, he was at 55% in week eight, and it's it's trailed off since then. I believe he's come off the injury report. Like, it's – yeah, it's really hard to know what's going on here. So that's kind of why I'm in wait-and-see mode. Like, we've got to see a 50% snap share or something close to that before – uh, we assume that he's healthy or that the coaches want to play him or whatever the issue is. We could we could spend all day trying to figure out what's going on there in Detroit, but uh, they're certainly not forcing him onto the field. And as their record gets worse and worse, I, I think they're going to have even less motivation. So yeah, he's a tough one dynasty-wise. I still would want to bet on the talent. We've seen injury-prone players snap out of it, but it, it does get concerning when it's just a second straight year of just nicks and bruises and things, just different injuries, keeping them out of the lineup. But I mean, that's what we said about McCaffrey last year, last two years. So I don't know. It's hard to tell, but lots of upside. It's just seems nowhere near realizing it right now. It's true. But like when McCaffrey, we always knew like, okay, he sustained this injury. It will yeah. be X amount of time. It was never like, a weirdly long amount of time compared to what we would see with other players. Like he tears an ACL. He's back the next year. Like he pulls a hamstring. He's back up and running in a week after a week of rest. Like it, it never felt like we were 
being gaslit by the coaching staff that so i yeah and, and i mean may, maybe that's just how the detroit coaching staff like handles their information with injuries like every team is going to be different on this stuff they've not been super transparent on like the jameson williams stuff either so maybe maybe that's another example you could look at but yeah i i don't know i'm i think i personally would like to sell deandre swift at market value right now but yeah as i said could bite me that is a good point. When McCaffrey has been healthy, he's played his full snap share, and that's not the case with Swift. So good point there. Um, just something to monitor for the rest of the season for Dynasty for sure. All right. Well, I don't think you're going to play these guys over DeAndre Swift, but let's talk about a few desperation plays for this week. It, I mean, we just said the position was so good, so realistically you shouldn't need these guys. But j- just in case we do – uh, t- t- talk to me about this Kansas City backfield, which does reek of desperation. <laughs> yeah, so I was trying to highlight some desperation plays. Uh, this is like RB29 and later here. Uh, I've got Jarek McKinnon at RB29. We talked about their situation on what we saw a little bit, but he's got eight targets and six catches in each of the past two weeks coming out of the bye week. And Clyde Edwards-Solaire is pretty clearly fading. So uh Traveling on the road to Los Angeles to play the Chargers, like I think that's an environment where McKinnon should see a, a good amount of targets. So uh, they're going to need the passing game. I know the Chargers are struggling, but it's it's still it's not like they're going to Houston to play. So I think they'll have to put up some points, and I think it's a, a pretty decent spot for McKinnon. Um, he's not always leading the backfield in snaps, but he's certainly ahead of CEH, and uh, I'm a little skeptical on Pacheco in general. So I think McKinnon is a fine desperation play. I mean, this is a classic PPR type play. This Just think, you know, J.D. McKissick or someone like that from years past, only he's playing with Mahomes. So um, a little bit of upside there, a little bit of floor. So I like McKinnon. Um, as far as Pacheco goes, like I've got him RB32. He had 16 carries for 82 yards last week. Uh, the Chargers are still allowing 5.7 yards per carry on the season. So on paper, this is a really nice matchup. And if he gets you a touchdown, sure, it's going to pay off. So I think he's a, a fine enough play. It's just he gets no passing game work. And you never know with the Chiefs. They may just decide uh, to throw out the whole game, even if they're ahead. I mean, he kind of got those carries with a big lead against Jacksonville last week. But that's not the way they play this always. Sometimes Mahomes is still slinging it around the yard. So uh, a little further down on Pacheco, even though last week's box score is pretty encouraging and, and the matchup kind of fits it well. Yeah, you don't make it sound very desperate, actually. I I don't <laughs> think I would mind playing either of these guys when you lay it out like that. Um, yeah. I If I'm picking between them, I would also probably go McKinnon, uh, j- just because, as you said, the target volume and, and the fact that there's uncertainty with all these Kansas City wide receivers as well. Juju Smith-Schuster could miss the game with a concussion. There, there could be some target volume here available. And yeah, like you said, that sometimes the Chiefs will just keep throwing it even if they are up. So yeah, he's yep. who I go with. Yeah, and then another desperation option. I'm kind of curious to hear your thoughts on this. It's Tyler Algier for the Atlanta Falcons. Um, like we mentioned, this is a high over-under, uh, kind of surprising, but he's my RB30 for the week against the Bears. It's a good matchup. Bears have allowed the third most points to opposing running backs. What's hard to know here with Algier, I think he's looked relatively good overall. Like, I think if you just watched him on the field, he's a rookie. You know, he's got fresh legs. He looks relatively talented. I don't think it's the player we're worried about. It's the role. Uh, The two weeks since Cordell Patterson has returned from injury, uh, the first week, Algier only played 38% of the snaps. But then last week, he was at 48%. Uh, there was that rainy game against the Panthers. Maybe they were trying to rest Patterson a little more, but 
I think if you told me he was getting 48% of the snaps in this matchup against the Bears, I would be interested as an RB2 on a rough spot on bye weeks. So I'm kind of curious what you think. Uh, is this just, you know, Patterson's backfield and he's just easing his way back? Or do you think Algier has enough of a role here to warrant a start? I think there is a role. I think the Falcons have shown that they want to have two guys in this backfield. Like Caleb Huntley was semi-relevant as like a fringy desperation option for a good chunk of this season. And that like when Patterson was out. So if if Algier is in like kind of that role plus, then yeah, I I think he is a viable play. With the snap shares, like I feel like you can't get too hung up on it because this is a type of player where he's, going to come in and almost on most snaps, he's coming in to carry the ball kind of like what the bears were doing with Khalil Herbert, where he yeah. would have like a 30% snap share or whatever, but that he would carry the ball on like 14 out of 15 of the snaps or something. I could see similar utilization here with Algier because yeah, I don't think the Falcons want to run Patterson into the ground. They'd much rather have Algier between the tackles. So yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And as you said, Chicago's a big run funnel. So I like it. Yep. And just for some perspective, like I also have Elijah Mitchell in this range. I think he's a fine play on a good rushing offense. You know, this is RB 31 we're talking about. I still don't hate this. Um, All these players though, I have all of them above AJ Dillon, Ryan. I have him RB 34, um, a Thursday night game against Tennessee, a really good defense. Like You'd play all these guys above AJ Dillon, right? Yeah, I mean, I would say so. Yeah, like Elijah Mitchell is kind of an analog to the AJ Dillon role, and there, there's like a way better game environment there. I and yeah, sim, similar with Algier. So yeah, I I I am up for ranking AJ Dillon that lowly. I I mean, I, I that's what is he even in points per game right now? It's probably less than RB 34. Like I, even if you were just going by the straight, like amount of points he scored, like, I, I don't think it's that disrespectful. He still has not topped uh double digit PPR points since week one. So 13 carries for 65 yards last week. That's a lot better, but if you're not catching any passes and not scoring any touchdowns, it can only take you so far. So um, otherwise I do have one final question for you, Ryan. I keep seeing Damian Harris sitting out there in some leagues like on waivers, and I'm really tempted to add him. I just tend to not have roster space. It's not that I think he's going to take this backfield from Ramondre Stevenson, but he scores so many touchdowns in the past. Like, is Harris just off the radar at this point, or should we be looking to pick him up in leagues he got dropped? I would think of Harris as a fairly high-end handcuff. Like, if anything were to happen to Stevenson, then Harris would easily be dominating this backfield that the Patriots have shown that they have no interest in getting Kevin Harris or the rookies involved. JJ Taylor is not a thing. Yeah. This would just be all Damian Harris. And he, if Stevenson got injured, Harris would be the type of player that you would empty your entire fab budget on. So yeah, I think I think Harris is definitely worth a roster spot. There, there's like a slim chance that he works his way even more back into the offense, just kind of naturally. I really hope he doesn't. I like I really hope that my Patriots have figured out that it just, things just run so much better with Stevenson in most situations. But yeah, Harris is definitely like a priority handcuff. Yeah. Okay. It's kind of where I was at. I mean, he had an injury. Uh, he actually missed the last game with an illness. Like I think a lot of people are off of him, but I do think there's some value there for a waiver wire pickup at this point in the year. So 
Okay, that covers most of running back. Like kind of like we mentioned, it's a little better this week than maybe we thought at first glance with all the buys and injuries and trades and all that kind of stuff. But uh, Ryan, wide receiver, not quite the same this week. What's the state of the wide receiver position? Yeah, I really hope that none of you need to play any wide receivers this week because it's <laughs> really, really, really rough. Um, I, it feels like all the buys and the injuries only hit the receiver position. Like we multiple top 24 receivers on the Seahawks and on the box, like it just everyone getting taken out. And I mean, with receiver too, like when, when there are injuries, there's not usually a direct replacement fill in like there is with running backs. So the yep. position can just get hollowed out so much easier. So, and all, all of that said is, is why I have Christian Watson ranked as my wide receiver 25 this week. Uh, I, I have him just below uh, Alan Lazard, who is my wide receiver 24. Uh, here's the thing with Watson. Um, and I'm not saying that this is not like a fragile ranking. I'm definitely going a bit out on a limb having him this high. But last week he posted season highs in snap share, 84%, uh, route share, 87.5%, and targets uh, with eight. He hadn't even surpassed like 50% of the snaps a single time before this. So they, I don't, I don't think like we can say, Oh, Christian Watson's done nothing all season because he hasn't really played. He wasn't healthy for a little while. It, he's the type of like more raw prospect you would expect to not immediately earn playing time, but he is just a physical specimen where if he is going to force his way onto the field his rookie year, then some good things might happen occasionally. Uh, going back to like his prospect profile, I was never a huge fan of him. He he put up like fine counting stats, uh, but he, he played in the FCS, but he did lead all relevant wide receiver prospects in yards per reception, which again kind of shows his big playability that he was also showing off the other night. So that this is the type of player we're dealing with here. I and I mean to be fair to him, like it, it's not like his production was horrible. He was like above average in dominator and receiving yards market share for like his last two years in college. But that for a small conference player, you want to see way more than that to expect them to be all that successful in the league. So the, like, again, it's a prospect profile. I'm not usually big on. I usually avoid the big athletic dudes without that much production until their senior year in small schools like that. That's kind of a bust factory, but I, all, all of that said, and he is still by far the most athletic wide receiver the Packers have. He's the only guy that can get open downfield and he plays with Aaron Rodgers. And I, I think like all analysis can kind of stop there. I went out and bid like 50 plus percent of my fab in multiple leagues on Christian Watson. It's the type of bet where if you're correct, then you win really big. And, and if you're not, then fine, you lost your fab. But I mean, yeah, there, as far as this week, Tennessee is one of the biggest pass funnels in the league. I'm just happy to take a chance on Watson. I think you can put him right into your lineup there. We'll talk more about a few guys that I have ranked below him, but no, no there's not really anybody that's like guaranteed more target volume than he is. Like it, it's not, it's not as if like his one eight target performance is 
all, all that flimsier than some of the other guys that I'm ranking around here. Yeah, totally agree. There's a few circumstances I think that make it okay to be too high on Watson. I mean, for one, Romeo Dobbs is out with a high ankle sprain. He's already out for this week. He could be out for several more. So there's a, a big opening there anyway. Uh, this offense desperately needed a playmaker. Like it's that's very clear. They needed Christian Watson to step up. And like he missed, like you said, he missed time with injury. It's not like this was just him being on the field and not producing. He had a deep touchdown that he would have had that he dropped. Like there have been flashes. He's got the the pedigree, even if it's not a perfect profile. So yeah, I just I think there's a lot of things combining here to make this a clear ad. I agree with you. I tried to unload any fab I had to pick him up in leagues. Like this is just you're not going to find this kind of difference maker available this time of the year. So yeah, why not? I mean, I, I know three touchdowns on on four catches is not going to happen again this week, but I, I don't see any reason why not to start him. Try to chase lightning in a bottle here. It's a nice matchup. Lots of reasons to be into Christian Watson this week. Yep. Yeah, I'll be watching along on Thursday night with bated breath, and I'm sure tilting my face off uh, if he doesn't fire. Yep. Why well, he's wide receiver thirty on expert consensus rankings, so you're not too far ahead of him. So we'll see if he rises by the end of the or by Thursday night kickoff. So, okay, let's get next to Paris Campbell. Uh, this reminded me to check; he was actually available in a dynasty league. <laughs> relatively deep dynasty league of mine. And I put in a waiver bid. Uh, I did not get him, Ryan. So Paris Campbell, uh, he's back and he's your wide receiver 27 this week. That That is surprising that he was available in a dynasty league. I, I mean, it easily could have been one that I'm in with you because I, I'm really bad about waivers in dynasty leagues, especially this time of year. Um, I think everyone just ignored the Colts offense for the past three weeks. Yeah, and that you would that's completely fair. Like I, I would expect anybody to. That was the rational thing to do about a week ago. So it it kind of makes sense why Paris Campbell is available in over 70% of leagues right now. And we're recording this after waivers ran. So he's a guy that a lot of people can go out, pick up, and just plug and play him this week. He's ranked as my wide receiver 27. That It's been a while since I, I think I've ranked a guy that highly that is just available after waivers run. So we've got some, I, I mean, as much as I complain about the receiver position, there, there's a little bit of depth here. You could do something this week if you are struggling. So I looking at Campbell, 11 targets, 12 targets, and nine targets in his last three games with Matt Ryan. He finished those games as the PPR wide receiver 10, wide receiver 5, and wide receiver 11 in each of those weeks. All I can say is like when Paris Campbell has been with Matt Ryan, he has been a top-end fantasy producer. Um, he, I mean, the average depth of target is down at five and a half. So yeah, that's the exact type of consistent PPR production that you're going to get out of him. Is the ceiling all that high? No, but we, we take these guys and we play them. Uh, and w- the good thing about that low A dot, at least for this week, is in this matchup against the Eagles, normally you might be a little scared, especially with how that Colts offensive line looked against a team with a real pass rush like the Patriots. The Eagles are seventh in pressure rate. But I would think Jeff Saturday, in all of his infinite wisdom, will, will look at this matchup and be like, okay, we need to get the ball out of Matt Ryan's hands quickly. And I that means it's going to go to Paris Campbell near the line of scrimmage. So he could see a lot of work in this one, and I he I'm like pretty excited. I, I don't do like a start of the week or whatever, but I 
I I'm pretty happy to plug Campbell in here. I, we've seen Matt Ryan like drop back 50 times, a few times this season too, depending on how this game goes. If the Eagles get up big, we could easily see that happen. And Campbell's like 20 to 25% target share. Suddenly he's easily getting double digit targets. So I, I'm kind of all over this one, Eric. Yeah, this is your big stance of the week. Uh, expert consensus ranking as a wide receiver 38 currently. I, I kind of get it, though. Looking at some of the names behind him, you've got players in low-volume passing offenses like Darnell Mooney, Drake London, types like that. Uh, you've got some like Garrett Wilson, low-volume passing offense in New England, probably be a little cold there. Like, you know, it doesn't sound too bad having Paris Gamble at home in a dome with Matt Ryan, who, like you said, has had to pass the ball 50 times a game at times. So, yeah, I, I, I like it. Um, we kind of commented early in the year when he was struggling, like, well, he's on the field for all the snaps. He's just not producing. And maybe it just took him, you know, four, five, six weeks to with all those injuries to just kind of get his legs under him and, and get rolling here. So it's not been perfect. You know, he's he's had some ups and downs lately, but it's it's really hard to pass on someone with uh, a nine target game when they're sitting out there on waivers on a, on a bye week with all injuries. It, it's it, You should definitely pick him up. This is at least added depth, if not a, a spot start this week. Yeah, I still can't explain to you why he was running every route and doing absolutely nothing with Matt Ryan for the first month of the year. Um, but all I know is since then, he has been actually commanding targets and been productive. My guess is it was just some, some sort of game plan shift. Like a, Campbell's the type of receiver where a lot of his targets are going to just be... Dis- every target is designed but like he's clearly the first read this is like a designed play that has a high percentage chance of going to the first read on like a quick look so it could have just been a shift in philosophy like let's get him more involved and it was easy to do so so yeah happy to play him hopefully it keeps up he's just the kind of player that jeff saturday likes i guess so (laughs) All right. Next up, another name, uh, an interesting name, Donovan Peoples-Jones. So uh, we, I feel like we've kind of bounced around on him. I, I've seen a lot of people touting his consistency lately, although the bar's kind of low on his consistency. But um, what are your thoughts on Donovan Peoples-Jones going into Buffalo this week? Donovan Peoples-Jones, the so consistent, four straight games of double-digit PPR points. I, all of those are between like 10 and 12 points. So it's... <laughs> and. I has been helped in certain spots by touchdowns as well. So it it's, this isn't like a clear sure thing as some people will tell you, but I mean, he is out there in 60% of leagues. He is 39th among all wide receivers in oppo per game over the last month. So he is seeing some opportunity. Uh, he that's number is better than guys like Drake London, Curtis Samuel, even Jerry Judy, like the, Peoples Jones is genuinely involved. So it it's hard to not in a week like this have him ranked like get, getting close to a top 30 wide receiver. Uh and I mean the other consideration here is Amari Cooper's splits from home and away are very, very bad. There was a lot of discussion about this on Twitter this week. Uh, but Amari Cooper averages almost one target and six fantasy points less on the road than at home since 2019, uh, courtesy of Jake Tribby on Twitter. So it, in this spot at Buffalo, the, it could be a scenario where the Browns have to rely a little bit more on people's Jones. I just like snow out, notwithstanding if 
this is a if this is a literal weather environment where the Browns can throw, they will probably have to against Buffalo. So I I really don't hate it. I I think Peoples Jones is kind of sneaky this week in a matchup in a matchup that you wouldn't normally be excited to play a wide receiver in. Yeah, and no touchdowns on the year. It'd look a lot different if he sprinkled in two or three touchdowns. He's really only had two bad weeks all year. Yeah, not a bad play at all. Uh, it does kind of make sense. He's not scoring touchdowns when you have Nick Chubb hogging them all, but um, maybe we're doing some regression here. So, yep, not a bad play. Um, I do worry at Buffalo. That's a good defense. I, they are missing some people in the secondary, though. But I, I think that would be the only red flag. But um, yeah, I, he's he's a solid play and probably what wide receiver three flex type. Oh man, I I don't know why I said that he'd scored touchdowns. Then I must have imagined Donovan Peoples Jones touchdown. He did get one called back a few weeks ago. That's probably okay. been stuck in my mind. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Let's get to. Do we want to talk about Allen Robinson, Ryan? <laughs> <laughs> I, I I don't know. Where are we going here? So I write Allen Robinson's name on the show sheet because I'm like, okay, Cooper Cup is on IR. I should probably have a take on Allen Robinson because that. It, it's one that people are going to ask about and will want to know about. Uh, so my original thought was, okay, I need to move him up my rankings. I, and I need to find reasons why essentially, but awesome, awesome process there, by the way, is yeah. p- pick where you're ranking a player and then figure out why. So I like kind of was like, okay, what, what if I had him around like wide receiver 35 ish? Like how, how could I, could I justify that? So I, I can't at all. So, so I, I'm just going to read off some names of players that have more yards per route run than Allen Robinson this year, which is just kind of the go-to efficiency statistic that I like to use. Uh, so here, here's who has been better on a per route basis than Allen Robinson. Uh, Elijah Moore, which it, is like one of the nicer names that I can say. So this is going to get more and more rough. Hunter Renfro, James Prochet, Russell Gage, Trent Sherfield, Marquez Calloway, and Amari Rogers, who I don't think I, e- I even realized had played any offensive snaps this year. So <laughs> I guess my question is, if Tyree Kill were to get hurt, would we be excited to move Trent Sherfield up our rankings? Or I, I mean, we've already tried to do this with Marquez Calloway and it hasn't worked out. So I, and James Prochet, I guess that all these guys have kind of had their chances. What I'm saying is Allen Robinson this season has been those just completely like replacement level or below type of players. I don't see any reason to rank Robinson any differently I've got him at wide receiver 49 right now. Robinson's just been running all the routes on the outside. It's not like the cup injury changes anything about his playing time or his usage. They've played completely different roles. Uh, I mean, if, if anything, if we're moving someone up the rankings, I guess it's Van Jefferson who I have at wide receiver 52. I, he, he's been just as inefficient as Robinson, but at least that's on only 30 routes and at least Jefferson will actually see increased playing time now, uh, at, at least from what we saw after cup got injured. So I, Van Jefferson's my wide receiver 52 this week. If you're adding someone it's him, I guess, but don't, like, don't get, don't play Allen Robinson. 
Yeah, I mean, just looking at Stafford this year, uh, he's averaging about 241 passing yards per game. That's 16th among quarterbacks. That's with Cooper Cup, you know. Yards per attempt is 6.8 yards per attempt. That's down around like Mac Jones, uh, Derek Carr. There's not some not great names down there. Like, it's just not it's not the offense that we remember from last year. The, the offensive line is worse. The running backs are worse. The receivers are worse. And, and this has all been with Cooper Cup. So, yeah, it's... Stafford is one of those players that can get hot and put a team on his back and make us all look dumb here in three weeks when they reel off a bunch of wins. But I mean, he's been banged up. He he looks like he's coming back from the concussion, but yeah, this is not an offense that I want to bet on. There are very few players on this offense, probably even worth rostering right now. So I, yeah, I think it's totally fine to just kind of shrug your shoulders and move on from Allen Robinson. I think there's more talent on the Colts offense than the Rams offense right now. Like this roster is just so gutted. Like I, I, I'm serious. I think two weeks from now, we're going to be having conversations about Sean McVay entering retirement and this roster just tanking for the next three, four, five years or however long it takes all of their salary cap to roll over. Like, yeah. I, th- this feels really bad. Like, I, Cooper Cup has kind of been just holding up the house of cards all season. So, I, yeah, I would not be – maybe I need to even lower Allen Robinson. It pro- Cup getting injured probably hurts him and everybody here. Yeah, I mean, I was listening to a podcast today with a legitimate discussion on if they should just kind of let Stafford rest the rest of the year just to recover from these injuries. Like, we're we're pretty much there already. And another loss, this, this team loses any shot at the playoffs. They're probably gone anyway. But, yeah, this is a stay-away offense for me. Like I said, Stafford could get hot, but I, I think that's essentially what we're hoping for. And it's – it's looking pretty bleak. So, um, yeah, avoid your Rams. I, I guess it's what it's Higby. It's, uh, Daryl Henderson, maybe like, that's, that's like all you want in this offense. I, I think Higby just off a pure target volume can get there. He, his arrow is probably pointing up. Um, but yeah, no, nobody else. Don't, don't even get me started on that backfield, Eric, please. I would rather talk about literally anything else. All right, we'll talk about Kyron Williams next week. Okay, yeah. <laughs> let's get let's get on to QB streamers, Ryan. Um, another fun list of quarterbacks here. So uh, I think it, it, this might take the cake with our third one. So uh, take it away. Yeah, looking at these quarterbacks, I don't know. We might need to go back to talking about Kyron Williams. I might have just changed my <laughs> mind instantly. Um, so at first, when I was doing my rankings, I was like, okay, this is going to be a pretty decent week for quarterback streamers. There's like some options here that we've streamed before that you could go a few different ways here. Uh, then I looked at the roster percentages. Turns out Daniel Jones, Jimmy Garoppolo, and Jared Goff are all over 50% rostered at this point. I, I guess just everybody is holding two quarterbacks, which I, I can't blame anyone for at this point in the season. So Jones is my QB nine, Garoppolo is my QB 10 and Goff's my QB 18. If you have any of them, all of them are viable this week, but looking at who's actually available right now, we don't have anywhere else to turn besides Marcus Mariota, who I'm talking about for the, this is our 200th episode. I feel like I've talked about Marcus Mariota 200 times. Uh, He's my QB eight this week against the bears. That, that is the highest that I've, ranked him all season so i that that's our episode 200 celebration is i i get marcus mariota up to qb8 um he's only rostered in 38 percent of leagues uh the falcons are implied the third most points of any team this week they are three point 
favorites at home. The Chicago defense is a plus matchup for opposing quarterbacks. They've allowed the 10th most fantasy points in the last month. Mariota is the fantasy QB 12 right now <laughs> through 10 weeks. So I, I don't know why you wouldn't play him. And I still don't know of like, why is Marcus Mariota not above 50% rostered at this point? Like I, I would much rather have him on a team than a Jared Goff or a, maybe even a Jimmy Garoppolo. Like they, there, I feel like there have just been so many more playable weeks for Mariota and weeks where he's actually produced compared to some of these guys. I, Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers are still being rostered way more than him. And I, I'm yeah. not sure that makes any sense either. I will say that Thursday game against uh, the Panthers, right? Um, he threw a few of the worst passes I've seen of the entire season. So maybe people just have that stuck in their mind. But I, I totally agree with you. I It's funny these names you have on the streamer sheet this week because I have Trevor Lawrence in a home league. Uh, so I need somebody to cover him. Uh, went, submitted a waiver claim for Marcus Mariota. Did not get it and panicked and the, the quarterback I went with on waivers is who you have up next, and it is a gross player, um, but I looked at the Jared Goff types, and I chose Taylor Heineke over him. So please sell me on Taylor Heineke at QB16, because that's where I landed in my home league. So before we started recording, I actually drafted up a tweet about Taylor Heineke. Um, it, I'm still not ex- – I'm probably going to send it at some point. I, I'm trying to build this scene where I'm like – blindfolded and handcuffed in a padded room and being forced to stream Taylor Heineke this week. He is my QB 16 against the Texans uh, only rostered in 12% of leagues, but I, I, and this is kind of the, a similar story to Allen Robinson, except I can't rank him lower because there's no one to push him under. Really? I, I was like, all right, I guess I got to talk about Taylor Heineke. All, all I could find were bad things, but it's still it, it. I'm telling you, after I get through this, we're gonna look at the QBs I have ranked underneath them, and you can tell me if it makes sense to push him below anyone. Yeah. Heineke has only 218 attempted air yards per game and a 62% completion rate this season. I it I the only reason that we want to play him is that the Commanders are three and a half point favorites, but. Like, as we've talked about, that's probably just going to be rushing production. Uh, The Texans are allowing all these 30-plus point PPR games to running backs. We, at at this point, the Commanders are a run-heavy team. They've had a negative 6% pass rate over expected since week five. The only, like, thing you can say is, like, okay, well... Houston's going to let them run a bunch and that means maybe they'll actually move the ball and maybe Heineke can steal a touchdown or two Marcus Mariota style kind of, but there there's just no reason for me to be excited or want to play him. Like Jahan Dotson is back. I guess he only had one catch on Monday night, but it didn't seem to have any setbacks. So there's another weapon in this offense at least, but I I just look at the players I have ranked below him. Like there's there's PJ Walker, there's Matthew Stafford, there's Andy Dalton, Jacoby Brissett at Buffalo. Like what what am I meant to do with this? Like Heineke is the only one that's not like actively making me throw my hands up and run away screaming. 
Yeah, I mean, I actually, the only player above him on your list that was available in my league when I picked him up was Derek Carr. He's one spot ahead. Derek Carr at Denver. That does not sound like fun to me. Like, at least Heineke is in a dome against a horrible team, and they are going to be moving the ball. Like, Denver just, every game Denver plays it just turns into such a slog. And I had no confidence in Derek Carr putting up points on the road in Denver. Like, I... I figured at least Heineke, I'll get some red zone trips and hopefully he throws. I mean, he threw two touchdowns in three straight games before last week. And, you know, they got the lead on Philadelphia, who's a far superior team and just like just went into ball control. Like, let's get this game over mode. And he didn't do anything last week. But I I think it's a little different if they get the lead on a Houston team. That's just horrible. So that that was the big debate for me was was Derek Carr versus Taylor Heineke. And it's a horrible debate to have. But that's what I was left with in uh, week 11 of 2022. Yeah, I guess instead of making fun of Heineke, I could have just said I have him one spot below Derek Carr against the Broncos, and that would have painted the picture. Uh, yeah, the, that that Broncos team there there was a stat flying around a week or so ago where they they would have been like eight and one if their offense had scored eighteen points in every game. Like that's all it would have taken. And yeah. That that should tell you everything you need to know about how much they just drag every game that they're involved in into the ground. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, maybe I should <laughs> look at me. I'm talking myself into putting Taylor Heineke even higher in my rankings right now. That that's what you've done to me, Eric. Uh, I, I think that's what the Raiders have done to us. Honestly, I, I'll blame Derek Carr and the Raiders for that because it, that should be the tier right there after Derek Carr. And it's, it's a little blurrier than we would have thought. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm I'm done talking about Taylor Heineke. You can't make me do it anymore. Let's move on to tight end streamers. It looks like you have a few options this week that are probably worth talking about. So get, take us away. Tell us where you want to start. Yeah, just quick check in. Uh, Greg Dulcich is out there. He's my tight end 11, 57% rostered. Hayden Hurst, he's my tight end 10, 55% rostered. Those would be the first ones to go for. So just a little bit above the cutoff, but they're out there in a lot of leagues. Um, man, these these names are about as bad as Taylor Heineke, though. So let's let's not get too excited here. But uh, we got Jawan Johnson, first of all, rostered 24% of leagues after waivers run. So he's out there in most of them. I've got him like begrudgingly tight end 12 this week against the Rams. Uh, he's got a 69% snap share on the season. He's the Saints lead tight end. Uh, three, his three best weekly target shares have come over the past five weeks. So it's trending the right direction. He's got four touchdowns over the past four weeks. Like it's fluky. Uh, he's not going to keep this up, obviously, but he's at least getting in the end zone. That's a lot better than a lot of tight ends. Uh, just a 13% target share on the season. That's 18th among tight ends, but he is kind of trending upwards. So I don't know. He, He's producing some. He's on the field a lot. The Rams, we just mentioned how big of a mess they are. Like, I know their defense is still good, but uh, I would expect the Saints to have some success in this game. So, Juwan Johnson, he's basically, you're still hoping for a tight end, but he has had a little bit of consistency lately. So, he's probably the top streamer that's available in most leagues, depending on how a few things break later in the week. Eric, I think we're both losing our touch here because it, we're talking about these streamers and all we're doing is convincing people not to play them, I feel <laughs> like. Like, you're like, yeah, he sco- scored four touchdowns. Totally, totally not repeatable. To- totally can't happen again. 13% target share. Not actually good. This guy's bad, but you're going to play him and you're going to like it. 
Yeah, I mean, other than the names we're about to talk about, uh, the, the players below him in my rankings, uh, Dawson Knox, uh, bad weather, he's been terrible. Uh, Robert Tunyon, he's not been good. Taysom Hill, he, he's really plummeted. Um, so there's not much after him. I guess that would be my counter. But I, I totally agree. Uh, having maybe Gerald Everett comes back and he's out there in some leagues. Uh, I'm not sure about his injury status, but it's it's not looking great at tight end, Ryan. All right. Well, you're right. It's not looking great. Let's talk about Foster Moreau now. (laughs) Yeah. 33% rostered. He's my tight end 14 at Denver. We just mentioned how horrible this matchup is. Uh, The pluses for him, Darren Waller is on IR. Uh, He's playing like all of the snaps for the Raiders. Uh, They're also without Hunter Renfro. Uh, They need to throw him the ball some. Now, I will say he had just an 11% target share last week, but he was better than that the three prior weeks. Got a touchdown last week, so it's hard for me to get excited about anyone in a matchup against Denver, especially in this Raiders offense, but he's tight end 14. He'll be on the field a lot, and you're hoping for four or five catches. Yeah, at least there's an actual consistent role there with Moreau. Like, he's kind of just the second option in the Raiders passing game, which is funny, but yeah, that's, it's, yeah, not, not exciting, especially against Denver, but I, I suppose you could do worse. I think he's got a little bit of t- a talent for a backup tight end. Like he's not, people have hyped him up for a few years. Like there are some Foster Moreau fans out there. So maybe he turns this thing around. Maybe the whole team turns it around. I just, I don't think it's going to happen in Denver. Yeah, I, I was probably hyping him up in like 2020 on the waiver wire podcast that we we just mentioned at the top of the show. So yeah, there, there definitely were people that believed in this guy like at one point. And it's funny, this, this is the most consistent like opportunity he's kind of seen for an extended stretch and no one's really talking about him and nobody really wants to play him, which I, I guess I can't blame people for like you. He was a really good cash game play in DFS last week. Like that, that's about where we're at with him. Yep, definitely. So next up now, these next couple names are a little more exciting. Uh, We just, it's hard to trust them right now, but Isaiah likely is out there. I only rostered in 27% of leagues. And uh, Mark Andrews did practice on Wednesday, so it looks like he's on track to play. But just keep an eye on that, because if Andrews were to miss, likely would be a a top 12 option. I'm sure a lot of people soured on likely after last week. He only had one catch. He did happen to score a touchdown, kind of bailed people out. But if you look at the numbers, this was actually week nine before their bye, but if you look at the numbers, likely did play 77% of the snaps and had a 23% target share. So Uh, Yeah, if Andrews misses or if there's a word that he's limited, I think likely becomes an interesting option. So keep an eye on him if anything changes as the week goes on. And then finally, kind of keep an eye on down the road, uh, Trey McBride for the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Zach Ertz is hurt. He's on IR. Uh, Trey McBride actually did play 91% of the snaps last week. Uh, Only drew one target, but he's a rookie. um, Second round pick in this year's draft, so he has some pedigree. It you know how it goes with these rookie tight ends. Like it could be three years before he does anything, but he's getting the opportunity right now. I'm not going to start him. I don't even have him ranked highly, but keep an eye on him. If if we see flashes here, kind of like Greg Dulcich earlier this year, or Kate Otten, I think it's probably time to jump on him. Are likely in McBride guys that we can stash as like our second tight ends on our roster. Like it, is it okay at this point in the year to be stashing tight ends like that? I feel like that's something I would normally advise against, but the, the position is just so gross right now that and I feel like any hint of finding a, like not, a, you don't even, it doesn't even have to be a difference maker, could, like just consistent competence at the position feels like it might be worth burning a roster spot 
over like a handcuff running back or like a wide receiver that you're probably not going to play. Right. Yeah, I would agree. We're, we're getting towards the end of bye weeks. I think they carry on to like week, week 14, but we've got through a lot of them so far. I would still trend a little bit towards the higher upside stashes. Like I'm not sure you need to stash Robert Tunyon as your tight end too, but like David Njoku, he's rostered almost 70% of leagues, but like he's one, he's coming back from injury. We'll see it when he's back. Like he's someone I would look to stash. Um, I do think likely is one to look to stash in case something happens to Andrews. Yeah, so those kind of players, McBride, someone with some upside, that's what I would look at. Maybe maybe take a chance on, well, I guess Gerald Everett seems to become, if he, if he doesn't play this week, he may be back soon. I was going to say maybe take a chance on one of these Chargers tight ends and hope somebody catches on and he misses time. But I, I think you want to look for the good offenses, the young players, somebody who actually has upside. Like I, I would not be stashing uh, Logan Thomas, for example. Yeah, I think that's the correct way to approach it for sure. All right. Let's move quickly into some streaming defenses. Eric, I only have one take on defenses this week, and it is that I would absolutely play the New York Jets at my New England Patriots. I do not care that the Patriots are coming off a bye and that they're at home. This Jets defense is actually legitimate. Like there's Sauce Gardner, their eighth in pressure rate. Uh, Matt, the... Pat's offensive line, my theory is that it's actually decent, but Mac Jones just refuses to get rid of the ball to anybody that's not his first read. So if that's taken away by Sauce Gardner, guess what? He's taking off and either rushing for a few yards or he's getting sacked. So those could pile up pretty quickly for the Jets. I'm going to be at this game, so I'm sure that it won't go well for me and my Patriots fandom anyway. There, there are, the process is just amazing from so many angles on this Jets defense play this week. Yeah, maybe Mac isn't as mobile uh, coming off a high ankle sprain and uh, already a, a not very mobile quarterback. Huh? So, yeah, he, he may be a bit of a sitting duck back there. Uh, what, 10 sacks over the last two games combined. So, uh, yep, only 37% rostered. Jets are certainly out there. Some of the other options, uh, Bengals at Pittsburgh, 53% rostered. Kenny Pickett's been sacked six times each of the last two games. Uh, Bengals are 12th in pressure rate. Um, Washington at Houston actually looks pretty good on paper. Ryan, did you know that Washington is – they lead the league in pressure rate? Like, I I never would have guessed that. They're leading the league in pressure rate, and that sounds like a really good thing against Houston. Yeah, I knew their defensive line was pretty good and that they had a – pretty decent pass rush I, I wouldn't have guessed that they were were beating like the cowboys in yeah. pressure rate but yeah i yeah go for it any when you're favored against davis mills it's hard to argue with <laughs> yeah another good option well let's these are actually some of the lesser options so maybe we should talk through these real quick but uh green bay home against tennessee i, I think this is kind of a high variance play we know how the packers are run funnel and obviously if derrick henry gets going this could be bad but uh, Green Bay is number two in pressure rate and they're at home. So I, I think that's mildly interesting. And then uh, the Giants home against Detroit. This is one I expected to be higher on, but Giants are just 14th in pressure rate. Detroit has just one turnover and only allowed three sacks over the past three games. So I was expecting to be higher on the Giants than I was against the Lions. Um, either of those options do anything for you? Or are you sticking with maybe one of the first three we mentioned? I actually think the Giants are probably higher variance because it, at least you can talk yourself into Jared Goff making some mistakes and that leading to like a really good fantasy day. Yeah. Uh, what, the Packers, I feel like it, 
it feels like a given that the um that the Titans passing game isn't going to do anything. So yes, Derrick Henry can go for 200 yards and a touchdown, but that it, like in the Packers defense at the same time can still give you like six or seven points. Like I I don't know um, unless this becomes like a multi-score lead for the Titans, which fe- feels unlikely. I I mean I I guess we can't be surprised by anything that the Packers do that is incompetent, but I feel like this one's going to stay in control and probably tend towards low scoring. So I, I think they're the safer play, honestly. Okay. That's a fair point. The lions have uh, allowed an opposing defense to score 22 fantasy points, two different times this year. So maybe Detroit is the higher variance uh, matchup to go after. So yeah, otherwise, I, I think there's some good matchups higher up in the rankings that you should be able to find still on waivers after the waiver wire run. So not a bad week for defensive streaming, Jets, Bengals, or Commanders. So, all right. Well, that wraps it up. Uh, 200th episode is in the books. Um, hopefully, we got another 200 more coming up. Uh, thanks, everyone, for joining us. Check out the Sit Start article on the website. Um, rate and review the podcast. Subscribe to PL Plus, all that good stuff. Uh, Thanks for joining us. As always, we'll be back for what we saw on Sunday night. Um, Until then, enjoy the rest of your week.